Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Young Lion Cast. I'm your host, Rob Goodson, and I'm joined by the man that is that rock and roll. He once headlined a village fate 50 miles from his house. It's Chris O. Brian. Chris, I want to hear all about this village fate. What what songs did you play? What was in your set list? Um, there was a Gasmatron, um, Paranoid, Smells Like Teen Spirit, Wonderwall. And there was also um, Teenage Kicks, but we had to remove that because it was too explicit. You cannot be serious. I'm being deadly serious. Right. I mean, this village fate, was it run by a church? Um, was it? I don't know. I mean, I thought one of the sort of big things about village fates was they are always for the church roof. Always. It's a proper, it was like a proper hot first type town. You know, like they had the one, they had that, the one shop. Everyone seemed to know each other. Um, it was like proper hot, like honestly, I'm surprised that Leslie Keller wasn't fucking murdered there. Did they have a model village? No, oh. no, they're not that cool. Although they do have a Sunday market that's hosted every Sunday, just a mile from the town. Really? A Sunday market that's hosted every Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> well, some, some, it's for Sabbath and all that. That way you're only half going to hell. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. This is the second time we've done this. And in the first recording, I found out that the most rock and roll thing Chris had done, in his own words, was headline A Village Fate. And I just couldn't let that slide because he thought he got away with it because the recording had corrupted. I mean, let's, let, I could go, oh, I get sad and drink myself to sleep sometimes. That's very rock and roll. No, because that's just sad and nobody I, I, likes I, you sad. I was about to say that I bring down the mood of the whole podcast. <laughs> so, like, you sort of cornered me, Rob. In what way? In what way is that cornering you? Because I either go blame option or the sad option. <laughs> oh, this, is, this has been a bizarre opening to the Young Lion cast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but we'll try and get it back on track um, whilst I try and get the images of Chris playing Village Fate to eight people, Chris, maybe? Uh, it was a good 15. <laughs> there were literally tens of people there. No, that's very well attended, but very few people paid attention to us. There was a pop act on. There was like someone singing to a backing track before us. They got there. Yeah. Well, probably because, you know, their family slash lovers had turned up. I mean, also, they turned up to a church fate and didn't play fucking Black Sabbath. I mean, we had a limited set, right? Our drummer was very good. <laughs> Basically, like, literally, the reason we had Wonderwall in the set was because to give the drummer time off because he thought he only did like part of a floor shit, but it would tire him out. <laughs> so he did Wonderwall. Like, <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, uh, talking of New Japan, because believe it or not, that's what we do. We don't review Village Fates. We are actually a New Japan podcast. It's, quite a f- it's like Doreen's apple bobbing so far. She really got to the root of what makes apple bobbing fun. Four and three quarter stars. Who <laughs> <laughs> was in Tokyo. <laughs> Um, but there has been stuff going on in the New Japan universe. We had the New Japan Showdown shows in San Jose and Los Angeles. Only one of them was televised, the one in San Jose on the 9th of November. So, Chris, you didn't watch that. You were literally balls deep in university work. Is that right? Yeah, um, yep. And also watched some stardom. 
which <laughs> we'll get into in a minute. But because that show, it didn't have a lot of bearing on Wrestle Kingdom programs moving forward. And basically, it was just a little bit of a fun show. There were some really good spots and things like that. But it won't take me long to run through what happened at Showdown in San Jose. So what we're going to do on top of that, you're getting two things, ladies and gentlemen. Just think about how lucky you are. Okay, on top of that, we're also going to do our retro review matches. So Chris this week gave me three matches instead of just giving me matches to choose from. He actually... (laughs) You kept not picking for Joshi, right? And it gets really annoying after a while. So I floss in my hand. <laughs> so we'll be reviewing matches from All Japan, from New Japan, and indeed from Stardom. But we're going to review the Stardom match last, just because I know how much it irritates Chris. But you have no clue. This is why I drink crap. <laughs> because I make you wait for Stardom. Yeah, basically. Why do you think I drank so much during the months we've had this back? <laughs> I can't wait to hear how much you drink during World Tag League. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't been watching it. I'm not watching it. I'm just turning up and shitposting. I'm turning up for the memes, and that is it. I will create That's my job. Create contact for memes. Yeah. So, anyway, New Japan sh- uh, Showdown, Chris. Um, what I'll do is I'll run down the results, and basically if there are any story beats that you need to know about or that I want to talk about, then I'll stop at that match, give you my ratings, that sort of thing. Are you all right with that? Yeah, sure. Okay, first things first, the San Jose Civic Center, where they hosted this event, was literally the perfect size. It wasn't too big, the mistake they made in certain venues in the uh, Super J Cup. It was perfect it was about 2000 i think two and a half thousand seater venue it was yeah basically um every seat looked like it had a perfect view of the ring the crowd was electric the crowd was fantastic throughout this show and it added a certain layer to this to this card really especially when you look at what they had to be excited about but yeah just something that obviously with the announcement of new japan of america those are the venues I think you are looking at selling out. Those are the venues you look at going for, certainly. Um, anyway, so the 9th of November 2019, we opened with the first singles match with Ren Narita defeating Alex Coughlin in 7 minutes and 43 seconds with the Narita special number 4. I gave this 5 stars, Chris. To be honest, we've spoken at length about how good the current crop of Young Lions are. Um, Alex Coughlin here was an absolute powerhouse. He did an amazing gut-wrench fall-away slam, which looked incredible. But again, Narita looked really, really good here. And he's going to be a big, big star when he comes back to New Japan full-time. Tag team match next. And this is the match, Chris, I really wanted to talk about. Because I don't know if you knew... (laughs) But this was Jushin Thunder Liger's last match on American soil. Now, I want you to bear that in mind, okay? I don't know if you've seen... Have you seen the results? No. Okay. So, the last Jushin Thunder Liger match on American soil went thusly. Toriyano and Colt Cabana defeated Jushin <laughs> Thunder Liger and Aaron Solo in 8 minutes and 1 second with the Superman pin. Jushin Thunder Liger's last American match and he bottled it to Colt Cabana and Toriyano and didn't even take the fucking pin. 
I mean, like, do you expect the young lion not to take the pin? Honestly, honestly, I mean, Aaron Solo is Bailey's either husband or her fiance. That oh. bloke. He oh, so he's like okay. He's mar- <laughs> so he's married to the fucking. Can I see your manager, Bailey? That's yes. Funny. Yeah. This I don't under. I understand. Fine. Yano and Colt Cabana are a team in the World Tag League, and yes, potentially they need heating up. But against Liger, on this card... Okay, I actually have more questions. For example, um, did did, um, Bailey's husband use a belly-to-belly? No, no, he did not. No, he didn't. That's such a shame. That's such a stupid thing not to... Does he not want to step on her fucking toes? I think probably so. I think probably so. He was... He was a decent competitor, but I just I couldn't look past the fact that in Juice and Thunder Liger's last match, there was little to no pomp and circumstance, and they lost to Yano and Colt Cabana. Could they have not beaten, put Narita and Coughlin together and have Yano and Colt Cabana beat them? Obviously not. The fuck is this bullshit? It got four stars... Because even though there was some comedy bits and Colt Cabana is genuinely a very, very entertaining um, person, very entertaining wrestler to watch. I'm genuinely quite looking forward to the bullshit that Yano and Colt Cabana will come up with. It will break up World Tag League quite nicely. But this is bullshit. Utter bullshit. Four stars. I'm well annoyed, Chris. Honestly. (laughs) You're well mad, bro. Honestly, I'm fuming. Anyway. I've never heard... I've never heard you so angry. Like all the shit we've reviewed, and I've literally never heard you so angry. Oh, I don't know. Wrestle Kingdom thirteen, oh. that Cody match. I once implied, but I didn't think your girlfriend was real when he wasn't as angry. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that a girl actually puts up with the amount of wrestling I actually watch and shit. To be perfectly honest, so in my, if it was someone else, I would also think their girlfriend was fake. But she's not. <laughs> she's real somehow. I've lit. I've literally had someone go, you'd be so <laughs> say to me, you'd be cool if you didn't watch so much wrestling. <laughs> it's such a kick to the dick, isn't it? It really is. It's like, hey, yes, I, hi, I'm musical. I'm about to graduate from university. I might have a decent job prospect. Oh, also, my favorite thing in the world is wrestling. Okay, I understand. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye bye now. Moving on to match three, tag team match. The Suzuki Gun team of Minoru Suzuki and El Desperado defeated the Young Line team of Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors at 9 minutes 56 with the Gotch-style pile driver. Really, really fun match. There was a brilliant moment where Carl Fredericks slapped the shit out of Suzuki and Suzuki just didn't move. And there was just that wonderful moment of, oh, you done fucked up. It was brilliant. It wasn't like when that video of when Takahashi, the young lion, slapped Shibata. It was almost like that. Carl Fredericks hit him, saw no reaction, and you just saw Suzuki walk towards him and Fredericks' face just fall. It was brilliant. Brilliant. Carl Fredericks is going to be a future star. I mean, he's got the look. He was an absolute powerhouse during this match. was really entertaining to watch, but obviously Suzuki and Despy running out the winners. I gave it six stars. I genuinely, genuinely you know, really enjoyed it. You know, that reminds me of, like, you go to gigs occasionally, you know, like, and we're, like, similar heights. Do you ever have someone who's, like, five foot two try to push you out of the way to get in front of you and, like, like you just don't move because they're so small? Yeah, my girlfriend. <laughs> but no, I had, I, like, I 
literally turned around and was like, what the fuck did you expect to happen trying to push me? Yeah, it happens a lot, especially at festivals. And you're just like, nah, I'm not moving, mate. I'm fucking comfy where I am. Go fucking Elbow round. Um, oh, it sucks to be you, fucking small fry. <laughs> just because you can't see over my enormous frame. Anyway, match four then was a six-man tag team match with the team of Juice Robinson... Tomohiro Ishii and TJP defeating the LIJ team of Sonata, Evil and Bushi at 11 minutes 58 with the Pulp Friction. Not a lot really to say about this match. The best bit was when Juice Robinson and TJP were in the ring together. They looked to do some tandem moves. They both tried to do the kip-up. TJP managed it. Juice tried it and couldn't and had to be helped up by TJP. Juice Robinson was on absolute fire during this match. Once they Once Juice hit the pulp friction, him and TJP tried to get Ishii to celebrate with them, and Ishii just walked off. It was great. Really, really good. Juice Robinson then took Bushi's mask and started taking the piss out of him, which was also very, very entertaining. Um, A very, very um, inoffensive match. Not a lot to talk about apart from Juice Robinson being fucking hilarious. Five stars. We then had another tag team match, six-man tag team match, with the chaos team of Goto... No, Goto! Um, no! <laughs> no! No, no, Rocky Romero and Yo defeating the Bullet Club team of Kenta, Taiji Shimori, and Jado at 11 minutes with the inside cradle. Yes, Chris, you heard that right. Jado was in the ring. How do you have think you, that went? Um, Have you seen that video where a naked dude tried to jump into a lake, but the lake was frozen? No, I haven't seen that. Sounds amazing. Please send uh, it to me. I imagine it's kind of like that. Oh, it. The poor man, and obviously I know he is now getting on in years, but he is very, very immobile to the point where he sold fucking nothing. Who's more like on the say Will Osprey the one end of the spectrum and Naganishi and Tenzan are on the other end of the spectrum? Where does he sort of sit? Jardo was worse. At least Nakanishi will take a stumble. Jardo did nothing. Nothing <laughs> at all. Um, so he's not... No, exactly. Just, yeah. He might as well have not been in this match. He was literally in this match to take the pinfall. Um, he tried to get the scale, but then we were just like, no. Just <laughs> no, away. Jardo! Um, four, four stars. Absolutely nothing to say in this match, apart from the fact that it was, of all the people in this match, it was Rocky Romero that got the pinfall. Um, who was just above Jardo in uh, the who is going to take this pinfall sort of stakes. Yeah, absolutely nothing to talk about, really. We then got into the sort of business end of the card. Match six, the British Cruiserweight Championship match with El Fantasma, the current champion, defeating show at 20 minutes and 23 seconds with the CR2. Um massive, massive reaction for show, and he started like a house on fire, literally sprinted straight at Phantasmo, hit him with the spear. There was a wonderful moment where show did a load of deadlift German suplexes without letting go and just carried on and carried on and carried on. Um, Phantasmo looked good. We still got the ridiculous move set, though there was a brilliant moment where he started taking the piss out of Rocky Romero by instead of doing the forever clotheslines, doing the forever jumping onto the um, turnbuckle and stamping on Show's penis, which was quite <laughs> funny. That was genuinely quite funny. Um, uh, that's my kind. 
Yeah, exactly. That's that I can deal with. We had we had callbacks to different uh, Bullet Club leaders. Phantasmo hit the Styles Clash and Show kicked out. He went for the One Winged Angel, but Show kicked out. He hit a couple of uh, V triggers and Show kicked out. Phantasmo then kicked out of the Power Breaker, which everyone was like, "Holy shit!" Everyone thought that was it. Got a massive reaction. Uh, then Kenta, no, sorry, not Kenta. Ishimori came down, distracted Show. It uh, looked like that was going to be the finish, but then Yo came down. They hit 3K on Ishimori. Uh, unfortunately, Phantasmo then hit Show with the dick punch because, of course, he did. It's Phantasmo and won with the CR2 retaining the championship. I love Show as a singles competitor, and we've sp- spoken right. about this before. Yeah, that I can see Show as the big babyface of New Japan because let's be perfectly honest, he's not going to be a junior for much longer. I can see him not being in the tag team for much longer, but like the junior divisions, like he, someone needs to be there to take his place. But because with him and Shingo there's no sort of power guy in the juniors. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I just it just occurred to me how many Noah guys are in Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is quite a few. <laughs> um, I gave this seven stars, Chris. It was a decent match. I wouldn't necessarily go out of your way to watch it. It started hot, but again, and I know I am slightly biased, but the Phantasmo bullshit does really take me out of it, uh, which is a shame. We then moved on to the semi-main event, which was the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match with the champion Lance Archer defeating David Finlay at 15 minutes and 45 seconds with the EBD Claw. This was great. This was a really, really good match. Um, Lance Archer is, considering his size and his shit haircut, is just absolutely fantastic. We had cannonballs off the apron. There was a great moment where he did the Cesaro swing on Finlay on the outside and just launched him into the barricade onto the wooden floor, which looked horrendous. Finlay bumped like an absolute motherfucker for Archer and made him look like an absolute beast. There was a wonderful moment where Archer hit the blackout, went for the three count, but pulled Finley up instead to try and go for the EBD club. But then Finley sort of did a quick roll up and you were like, oh my God, that would have been brilliant. What a way to finish. But unfortunately, Archer then kicked out and then we had the EBD claw for Archer to retain. Again, seven stars, probably my match of the night. If you're going to check out any of the matches on this card, this was probably the match to check out, if I'm being perfectly honest. You like well, it seems to be a case in like one case you don't like Phantasmo even if the match to me sounds better, and um, but you really like Archer. Let's put it this way: I preferred it to his Juice match at um, King of Pro Wrestling. No, at was, yes, it was King of Pro Wrestling. It was King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, uh, I preferred no. it. I'll, I'll probably check it out one of these days. I like at some point before the end of the week, but like as it stands. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I knew we were gonna remotely cover it, I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, it's alright, don't worry about it. To be perfectly honest, this is probably the only match I'd recommend checking out. Um unless you are a Liger completionist and you want to watch him lose to Colt Cabana and Yano, Chris. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway very accomplished. Well, Anyway, match eight, main event, tag team match, LIJ, Tetsuya Naito and Shingo defeating the Bullet Club team of Switchblade Jay White and Chase Owens at 15 minutes and 37 seconds with the Destino. The one thing to pick out from this match 
is that the Tranquilo Naito, the sort of calm, relaxed Naito, is no more. There was one moment where he was pulling Switchblade into him and leathering him with elbow shots to the neck. It was brutal. The commentary team did a fantastic job of saying that Naito had been awakened by the Tai Chi match and the Tai Chi feud, and basically he's there to win now. He's not there to tranquilo. He's not there to do all that bullshit. He's there to just beat the piss out of people. And it was a very, very good story beat and a story that hopefully they're going to continue with obviously, as we go on towards Wrestle Kingdom. And I can see something happening in World Tag League Final and things like that. But other than that, I wouldn't bother checking it out. There's one moment where Chase Owens was literally inches off getting Naito down for the uh, package pile driver, which is a ridiculously uh, protected move, by the way. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't really notice. But then, like, as he's got Naito up, and everyone was like, um, really? Chase Owens beating Naito? <laughs> Um, but to be fair, it doesn't get enough singles matches for the, for like it not to be protected. No, that is true. He is very much the perennial tag like, team wrestler. He has to be in a proper singles feud to have someone kick out of your finisher. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, that's five stars for that match. Again, not really worth checking out apart from the Tetsu United character work, which is good. Again, New Japan Showdown in San Jose. A decent card, probably better than I thought it was going to be when looking at the cards, the two matches I'd probably check out, the British Cruiserweight Championship match and the United States Heavyweight Championship match. And again, I thought Lance Archer did a fantastic job and Finlay did a great job as well. Finlay with a new coat and a new theme. Whether that's enough to get him in, you know, noticed is... I don't know, but we'll soon see come the end of Tag League because I think they're going to be there or thereabouts. And I think they're your pick, aren't they, Finjuice? Yeah, it was Jan and Coke Cabana. I mean, he chastised me for not taking Tag League seriously. And it's like, well, fuck, <laughs> forgive me for not taking Tag League seriously or this prediction, which isn't counting towards predictions because we, for some reason we don't make Garth do this. Because New but, Japan don't take Tag League seriously, so why should I? Yeah, basic. Like, why should I take Tag League seriously? Fucking Coke Cabana and Toriano is, a favorite, is an actual decent pick to win. Yeah, it's 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 not reassuring at all. There was a moment at the end of that match, I forgot to say, when uh, Juice Robinson stood up to Lance Archer and Lance Archer just took a microphone and said, you're nowhere near fucking worthy and walked off. I was like, fair enough. But at least if everybody dies, because like, I get it's a cool entrance theme, but fucking stop saying, stop using my every fucking grammar. Yeah, it's, it's very akin to Seth Rollins repeatedly <laughs> burning people down. Yes, everybody dies, Lance. I'm watching wrestling to avoid that eventuality. Question for you, Chris, then, before we move on to our retro match reviews. Who faces Archer at Wrestle Kingdom? I don't Ishii. I wouldn't hate that, but... <sighs> Marksley? See, I did think about this. Obviously, we've got Jericho on a separate deal to a lot of the other AEW guys. It means he can basically show yeah, up Marksley, where he feels but... like. But you say that, but Moxley was in the fucking G-Mons. I genuinely think that Moxley having the title stripped off him is a natural storyline. He'd never lost no, exactly, the title. Exactly, but also, did he, I'm trying to think of New Japan, like, because the last time someone was stripped would have been, well, I guess, Takahashi, but, like, that's probably an injury rather than not turning up. It would have been Makabe, wouldn't it? Makabe uh, for the never open, Mike. Yeah, and I'm trying to. I actually I legitimately can't remember. 
He had an illness. Didn't he have lum? No, not lumbago. Did he have lumbago? Something like no, not lumbago. It was something bad enough. It was something bad enough that he didn't turn up, and it floored Maccabee, who's basically well, he is the unchained gorilla. I think his nickname is something absolutely fucking appalling. Um, the kinker. The kinker. We can't say that. <laughs> anyway, Dude, yeah. What's well, really known for Maccabee, he has the fucking immigrant theme as his um, immigrant song, rather, as his theme. And they have to bleep it out and have that generic shit. And it's like, no, fucking give me some Led Zeppelin, you cunt. Do you know what, though? Genuinely, it's now got to a point where that generic theme, I actually quite like. Ding, ding, Exactly. It's quite, it's quite, uh, quite catchy. It's catchy. It's not as bad as Osprey stuff. Oh, no. I can't... Where they randomly... What's did it for a while? Um, I've missed yeah. out a match, by the way, at the end of New Japan Showdown, which sort of goes to show uh, how how interested I was in this card. Uh, the main event was the Chaos team of Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay defeating the team of Amazing Red and Kota Ibushi, with okay. um, Kazuchika Okada taking the win with the Rainmaker. Seven-star match, really, really interesting. Unfortunately, though, Will Ospreay went for the Ozcutter, and as he's handstanded, hand handstood, handstood, handstanded, handstied, as he did that the for the Oscar cutter. <laughs> um, he doesn't do a handstand for the Oscar. He does. Oh, no, he, he doesn't. He, no, he didn't. He Well, he went for the handstand anyway. And he slipped and quite obviously slipped on his hand as well and uh, shanked his shoulder. So straight away he went down tagged in a card and then disappeared from the match for a good five, six, seven minutes. And as the camera was panning around, you can see him on the uh, entrance ramp and someone, you can't quite see who it is, is literally messing his shoulder. And I don't know whether they're trying to pop it back in or whether they're just massaging feeling back into it. But he did come back into the match and didn't seem to have much problem with it. It's probably a good job he's taking World Tag League off. Um, but yeah, just a good... High impact match, you know, amazing red was decent. The reception he got was really good. Osprey more over than Okada, which was interesting in San Jose. Well, Osprey's had the best year of his fucking career. That is, that is a is good point. 2019, well, um, Okada was the 2017. Okada's 2017 was unparalleled, absolutely oh, unparalleled. Well, to be fair, I'd argue Kenny had a better 2017 um, in terms of pure, like his match. Elgin, Ishii, his match with Naito, his matches with Okada, Go, um, I'm pretty sure Gota in the G1 was also really good, Suzuki in the G1 was also really good, the Jay White match was, oh, that was 2018, I'm being stupid. But yeah, I'd argue Kenny's 2019 is better. Interesting, interesting. Debate it amongst <laughs> yourselves, listeners. Um, so let's get into our retro matches. So you provided me, like I said, with three matches to watch. I've now watched them all, as is the whole point of this segment. And we're going to start with your All Japan pick. Now, your All Japan pick, you would already watch... Oh, pardon me. You'd already watched this match and rated it for the website. So I was intrigued to see if I had the same opinion of as you. And it was the Champions Carnival... Uh, final from 2018, the 30th of April, and we had basically match six, Marafuji defeating Kento Miyahara at 24 minutes and 49 seconds with the Emerald Fojin. Chris, why did you choose this match? Um, Mostly because we haven't talked about Kento yet, and I really want to talk about Kento. You have also, the floor. I tried to... Also, I 
very quickly, I, want, I also wanted to have only like as many non people we haven't featured yet as possible. So we haven't featured Marafuji or Miyahara. Um, later on, we haven't featured. Obviously, haven't featured Tam or Arissa, and we also haven't featured um, Shibari yet. So it's like get all those people in there. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, watching this match, then um, a negative yeah. thing I've heard about Kento is that his selling is quite erratic. Um, he will go from selling death to basically being absolutely fine within a millisecond, and that's something I've heard on quite a few Miyahara matches. But this, I mean, I watched, obviously... Go on. Well, Miyahara matches, because I know you saw the Champions Carnival final this year. Uh, I watched his Yoshitatsu match from the Dynamite series. I've watched his... Uh, Kai match from New Year's War, and there's one from Summer Explosion, and I can't remember who it's against. Um, but yeah, there are. It's the same issue I had with Osprey, um, especially a few years ago, where he would sell a knee injury for. 30 seconds and then he'd be doing the pit pit cheerio and all of his high flying moves as though he was absolutely fucking fine and Miyahara to a certain extent I've seen him in, especially in big title matches do the exact same thing as though he knows he's got a sound he knows he's got to make the other competitor look good but then he sort of Miyahara's up for lack of a better phrase I think it's meant to be like a fighting spirit thing but like you saw fighting spirit in the Kawada Masawa match oh actually you saw fighting spirit done better in the other two matches i feel so i do i do feel you definitely have a point there however i will say in this match this is probably the best i've seen miyahara sell yeah um to be fair i'm a marifuji has been taught by like masawa suzuki and all that so like he's probably like if you don't sell from marifuji he'll probably make you sell i mean some of those kicks that marifuji delivered were stiff as balls even as chops yeah yeah just how much it's nowhere for you. I mean, Miyahara didn't have a lot of choice but to sell because he spent a lot yeah. of time on the back foot in this match. He was very much, yeah, which to be fair was sort of the point. So, because Marafuji sort of an invading presence, actually, this it was a very interesting Champions Carnival. This because you know who else was in it, Shingo, yeah, Shingo. So, there was also, so it was like basically he had just left Dragon Gate, but like basically Dragon Gate's eight, Noah's eight, and all. Japan's ace all in one tournament. Because um, Kento only dropped two losses in his blocks. That was to Joe Doring and um, Shingo. Yeah, correct. Um, I did look at that very, very briefly. Um, now, did you agree with the Marafuji victory? Well, yeah, because it was setting up a rematch later down the line. So, like, in terms of booking, definitely. Because there's more intrigue in having um, the champion not win the tournament. Because then who the fuck's going to challenge him? Yeah, and I like the idea that you have got the Noah Ace facing off against the All Japan Ace in that yeah, final. It's the same reason the Marafuji Okada feud from yeah, no, two years prior worked so well. Yeah, twenty was it twenty sixteen or twenty fifteen? Yeah, it was twenty sixteen. Um, no, it was yeah, was it? No, yeah, it was. It must have been. Yeah. So Melter yeah. gave this four and a quarter stars. And... I don't I think it's. I well, we haven't actually talked because why I love Miyahara is sort of like. He's not, he's not flashy, but also like everything's perfectly done. It's sort of like an Austin Aries thing. 
like yeah. where he has the fundamentals down to like like it's not like Walter where you have the fundamentals down, but he's fucking massive. It's like a regular size dude. Like anyone who's a reasonable athlete could do what me and Harry did. Like fucking you're a reasonable. Like, like you go to the gym sometimes. You could probably with enough effort you could probably do what me and Harry does. It's like just re- your fundamentals taken to the point of making it exciting, which I do like. I think it's the explosiveness which with with which he does it that makes yeah. it so. And it's and it's the, very similar to a Kenny Omega. The V triggers are very mm-hmm. similar. The knee strikes are very similar. Also, um, the fact that the old Japan audience are so behind him, like not many people may watch New Japan nowadays, but for those who do, love fucking Kenta. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's clear from his entrance. Yeah, just, you don't get without without Okada. Okada's more sort of like an obstacle than a like a true ace, whereas Kento like so beloved. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And his knee strikes are inc- incredibly impactful. And then you've got Marafuji delivering kicks that could take your head off. Yeah, which, and it was an did. interesting dynamic to have in the middle of, the, especially in the middle portion of the match. Yeah, and like especially near the end, we were just teasing those moves and that's sort of why i like this match so much is the closing sequence that was something i said to you before we came on air actually the fact that this match was very much two-thirds build and one-third explosive explosive ending stretch and you said that's very indicative of you know the way all japan is with its king's road booking and i felt it was a very very all japan main event if that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah, that's the thing. It's, it was booked like a long match, but in reality, it wasn't that long a match. New Japan matches, like, it's a, but that's the whole point. They're feeling each other out at the start, and then like, it sort of becomes desperate because like neither one of them wants to be the one to make a mistake. Yeah, and I liked that. And you could also see, especially at the start, that Kento Mihara assumed he was going to win because this is my yeah. promotion, this is my backyard. And naturally, he is a very cocky person, despite being a babyface, is a very cocky and arrogant champion, and. Sort of that roller coaster of right. Well, I'm going to beat Marafuji. This is my backyard. This is all Japan. To very quickly realizing, shit, I have vastly underestimated him, and having to pull out all the stops to try and claw his way back into the match was excellent. That also, pile like, driver a... on the apron was fucking horrible. But it's not even like we did it on the side, so we could just sort of fall. It was quite. It was quite disgusting. But also, we there's, there's a beef between like Noah and All Japan to begin with, because the creation of Noah basically almost killed All Japan. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got that deeper layer there as well. When All Japan, when like No Masawa um, left to make Noah, uh, all but two contracted wrestlers from All Japan left. It's. <sighs> How All Japan have managed to stay afloat when they've is... had three exoduses. They've had such, and to be fair, the first one was sort of their fault because the um, barber died and his wife was sort of really pissing off the talent. That was the sport world, that one, wasn't it? <sighs> no, and the one in the nineties. No, no, no. The the one where barber died was Noah. Right. No, sorry. I thought we were talking about the one in the nineties. So you got the one in the nineties, then you'd got Noah, and then wasn't it uh, Wrestle Zero or Wrestle One? Yeah. Um, zero one. Um, zero one. Because Muta was basically their big star. Muta basically owned all Japan, and it was like, okay, with this big star, we can sort of stabilize itself. But then it was like, nah, fuck you, I'm gonna go off. I just think that basically, you look, you compare this to the G1, and you look at, and I know they're completely different promotions, and I am fully aware of that. 
but you have got effectively, you know, your biggest stars in your final tournament match and you're doing it at Corican to not full house and you have got the ace of pro of pro wrestling Noah taking it, on your champion your triple crown champion it was mostly Phil mostly Phil like, though Chris yeah very true although and that's what I wanted to ask what do you think about no, um, all Japan's aesthetic I'm not a fan and this is a reason I feel that most of the Western world find it so difficult to get into all Japan because once you've got over the schedule, which isn't too bad to get over, basically, if there's something happening in Corican or Yokohama or anything like that, then there's going to be a big title match. But mm. the fact that you've got no name cards... That is my problem. That is, that is a big... That's why I didn't get into all Japan because it's like, you have stuff like Noah or... Um, Dragon Gate, where it's not accessible, but like you can like at least have the name cards to put a name to a face. Whereas like whenever I'd watch an old Japan card, I'd have to have the cage match um, page up for it just to know who everyone was. Exactly, and then on top of that, obviously you've only got Japanese commentary, which you get. You know, I don't have an issue with. I've watched I've watched New Japan with it. That's not a problem. I watched um, Stardom, and that has no commentary. Well, yeah, exactly. That was jarring, fucking hell. Um, and <laughs> yeah, then. You you go to venues like you look at, and I referenced this in our last podcast, the Royal Road Tournament Final 2019, yeah. which is Kento Miyahara against Jake Lee, and there is fucking no one there. And how they have fallen, I mean, how they've stayed afloat is beyond me, but how they have fallen from basically the biggest company in the 90s to where they are now is just, yeah, I, I don't. They are basically an indie promotion now, with their drawing power, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it is a shame, but also I don't think that should... When there's, some, I'm a, there's more like sort of the wave of ring looks, because I think that's really cool, and the fact that we have two different entrances for the... Because I know New Japan do that, but we don't colour code it. Like, no, I do have, like the have... red and the blue corners. No, I do like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, and also I think the ring looks... Fucking really kill. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. We're being very picky. This match is a very, very, very good match. And that last closing stretch is great. Really, really great. And as I said at the very, very, very start of us talking about this match, I have a real issue with Miyahara not selling properly. However, this here, that wasn't an issue. I genuinely... I genuinely didn't know who was going to win this because I deliberately did not know who was going to win any of these matches beforehand. And it added to the drama because it, Marafuji spent so much of the first, first what, 10 minutes, 15 minutes on top, Miyahara came yeah. back. And then that last stretch, you were like, fuck, who is winning this? Who is uh, winning that's it? One, that's one good thing, thing about um, all Japan matches is that any one time, you know who's on top, and it's not just one move that brings it back as a process to even level the playing field. Oh, yeah, like, very much so. That can sometimes be a problem with New Japan matches where, like, one move brings, like, one big kick brings Ibushi back into a match. Whereas here, you actually have to fight from behind, and by the end, Kento had just fought so hard to go on level ground with Miyahara, not with um, Marafuji, let alone be above him. What are you going to give it? Well, first of all, um, that emerald flosion, sort of with the leg, it's, I'm pretty sure it's called the pole shift flosion. 
I fucking love that move. Because you haven't covered a explosion yet, so I need to talk about it. Holy shit, I love that move. <laughs> it is a good move. It is a really, really good move. Um... It's a good move. It's not an unsafe... It's not like a burning hammer where you're literally dropping them on the head and hoping to fuck me tuck it in time. Otherwise, it looks shit. But explosion is just sort of... It's a slam. You just need to... But you're landing on, like, just the front of the back of your neck, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you're landing on, like, your shoulders rather than your neck, but it looks like you're landing on your neck. Ah, love it. And can be hit from, like, so many positions. Like, um, Masao once hit it from the top rope by countering a... Uh, anyway, but yeah, here, I loved it. And especially with the, like, bit where, like, it just... Amazing, love that move. Anyway, I gave it, I, I, like, on first time watching it, I gave it a nine, but, like, that's when I was, like, in the proper Kenta Miyahara hike phase where I went through early this year. You remember? I do remember. Uh, but, like, I'd give it, uh, like, an eight or a nine. I'd either would agree with you. I'd give it an eight. Um, I mean, looking at other matches we've given nine throughout this year and through these little retro bits... I can't justify this being as good. This is taking nothing away from the match. This is still a stellar match, a really, really good match, and I actively encourage you to check it out. But for me, it wasn't quite... It, was no, it wasn't as good as the 2019 final. I'm trying to... Well, yeah, because I've went back to that more. Um, to be honest, I'd actually be very interested in following a Champions Carnival if it didn't happen right... It's either right before or right after Super Genius, but the Carnival happened, and it's sort of like... I can't. <laughs> uh, it's before because it's April. Yeah, so it's like literally like a month. It's like, it finishes a few weeks before Super Genius, and I just can't. <laughs> and then go straight into the G1. Yeah, no, Super Genius, and then straight into the G1, and then Stardom's five star GP, which isn't ha- as bad because we just upload like match by match. So, and the match is a 15 minute time limit. So, like, that's still relatively easy watching, but like, no, like, I can't. I can't do free. And then, like, if we were doing Noah, we'd have to do the fucking N1. So, like, no, just no, thank you. Thank God we aren't doing the N1 as well, then. Thank Christ. Moving on to match two, then, that you gave me. And this seems to be have become a bit of a staple of our uh, retro reviews. And that is that we must review a G1 Climax match. Well, to be fair, the fucking last, what, seven years of the G1 has been so rich with amazing matches. That is true, and I was looking, obviously, for a bit of context uh, at Cage Match and looking at, A, what else was on this night, and B, what the general consensus was, and people were absolutely enamoured with not only G1 Climax 23, but Night 4, which is the night we are looking at, and I'm going to tell you a couple more of the matches on this card before we go into the match that we are actually going into. We had Tetsuya Naito defeating Suzuki, which was given four plus stars from Meltzer. We had Prince Devitt defeating Hiroshi Um, Tanahashi. hmm. Um, Nice. (laughs) We had Makabe defeating Okada. Oh, is this back when Makabe was good? Well, that got four and a quarter stars. And then we had Shinsuke Nakamura defeating Kota Ibushi when Kota Ibushi was still technically DDT talent, and that got four and three quarters. Well, of course it did, because those two are just perfect together. But, yeah, that sounds like an amazing G1. It does, and apparently even the Davy Boy Smith-Satoshi Kojima match was a decent match. To be fair, they're two big horses, just... Forearm the shit out of each other, and we're pretty satisfied. I, I have a lot of time for Kojima. It's just his machine gun chops, which piss me off. 
To be fair, I, I have a feeling we used to be better. I'd have to go back and watch. I'd he is like time. 135, though, so we'll let him off. He's, he's, like, he's Garth's age, so... At least. At least. I mean, Garth... <sighs> to say Garth is old is like saying cheese is yellow. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's ingrained <laughs> oh, in our yellow. podcast. Not all cheese is yellow, but... Well, apart from blue cheese. And red cheese. I mean, there's also... And white cheese. Yeah, but that's still got a hint of yellow. Yeah, but like it's still it's an off white, but it's still white. Would you call it white if it's off white? Yeah. Would you? Well, but it's literally, it's literally in the name. Yeah, but just because strawberry blonde's in the name, but it's not blonde, is it? It's ginger. Yeah, but like that's what gingers say to pretend they're not solos. I feel like we're getting distracted again. Anyway, so the match we are actually focusing on is a match that Dave Meltzer gave five stars to. And it's match five of G1 Climax 23 Night 4 uh, from the 4th of August 2013. Block A match between Tomohiro Ishii and he defeated Katsuyori Shibata at 12 minutes and 17 seconds with the Brain Buster. This match makes me sad. And you know why? Go for it. You know the headbutt spots in the middle? Oh, it's not just like you can hear them. You it, can hear the sort of, you can hear that crack. This was when, and we've covered Ishii matches before, where we've said like you can tell now that he pulls his headbutts. Mm. This was not one of those matches, Chris. No, I mean, was, I I cringed so hard. I'm like, I know we can't tell like what happened to Shibata because like. Nine times out of ten, his headbutts didn't cause anyone any harm. It's just one time it almost killed him. I know. It's, it is a sad state of affairs. And to rob him of what would have been, you know, his best years. You know, you're looking at an IWGP heavyweight champion. Oh, absolutely. Um, at the very least, like, the best, like, never champion ever. Or he's already probably the best never champion ever. I can't think of a better one. Goto. Fuck off. I'll, I'll, kill, I'll, I'll fucking walk to Stoke and kill you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this match was encapsulated by the first 10 seconds where oh, they yeah. literally sprinted <laughs> at each other and Shibata knocked Ishii off his feet with a knee. I don't even think they're feuding at this point. I'm pretty sure this is their first match. I mean, holy fuck. I know. Have you seen... I don't know if I've ever said that, but like, um, it's, it's called... um. Shibata versus Ishii, but every time we hit each other, it gets faster. <laughs> I can imagine that's that the... gets ridiculously quick by the end. No, that's the thing, because they do, like, no, like, one STF spot, and that's about it. The rest of it is just them kicking the sh- kicking and hitting the shit out of each other. And, like, just the bit, like, two minutes in, where we've just been literally constantly pounding each other. And then they're just like, right, okay, let's see who's strongest. And we just start sitting, we just start kneeling for each other. I have seen Ishii take on a lot of strong men. Walter, Suzuki. I have never seen him in as much obvious discomfort as he is in this match. No, exactly. And the fact is, this match didn't go too long. It just went a smidge over like 12 minutes, I think. 12 minutes and 17 seconds. Yeah, and still, it made sense. We were hitting each other at such a pace. Literally nothing flashy. This is strong style taken to its logical extreme. 
this was a match that had three very, very, very distinct parts. You had the quick opening, explosive opening, where literally you sounded your opponent out by beating the shit out of them to see if you could get a quick knockout. No, that seemed to be the thing. This match started as a way, to, it's like, okay, where both men just didn't want to spend too much time in the ring with each other because they knew they had the whole tournament ahead of them. You then get to the second stage of the match, and this was what you mentioned, where they were literally taking a knee to each other, and Ishii was slapping the shit out of Shibata's chest, and Shibata was kicking the ribcage out of Ishii. And it's Ishii who collapses first. I can't imagine Ishii having organs. I can't imagine Ishii being all that human, to be perfectly honest. Never mind having organs. To be fair, you remember that picture I sent the other day, right? (laughs) Ishii on the bike. Do you know what was more jarring than him on the bike, though? Him having hair. Yeah. Yeah, thing is, that's an alternate in his Fly Pro Wrestling um, guy, and I'm sort of like, that's just a bit weird. (laughs) Why include that? Yeah, it was a little bit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sorry, my phone started making a noise, and I couldn't stop it. Um... Fucking hell. Well, we've been on the... Is it Was it you I was on the podcast with before when my Kindle just went, hello? And it was that. Yeah. It was the Alexa thing. Oh, my God, that was awful. That was terrible. No, what happened, I was like, oh, it must be awful whenever you say Alexa. And it's like, yeah, it's awful when I say Alexa. Playing McFly. No, Alexa. <laughs> Don't tell them. Don't tell them I'm a McFly fan. Um, you, you strike. And then you got the third. Fly or busted? Oh, McFly. Yeah. You seem like more like a busted guy. In what way do I seem more like a busted guy? Pop punk as fuck, mate. I hate you. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you are, but we, you're like tall Mark Andrews. Mandrews. Yeah. <laughs> I am tall Mark Andrews. Um, yeah. We then got to the third section of this match, which mirrored the first. You know, you're strong, trying to get your big moves away, and Ishii eventually managed to capitalise with the brain buster. I just, I can't get over how angry these men were and how hard they were headbutting each other. They were hitting each other. They were kicking each other. There was a real noticeable anger in every single strike. It was fucking vicious. Yeah, like you start to wonder what we've done to each other. Like, if I couldn't, if I could remotely imagine Ishii as a sexual being, I'd assume Shabbat um, kissed his wife or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, the thought of Ishii as a sexual being is quite terrible. Like, he just takes his trousers off and it's just like a slab of granite. Yeah, exactly. Follow <laughs> so, into that, I'm sure. He is literally the only thing I am looking forward to in Tag League, apart from the t- uh, genuinely apart from the Sabre Junior and Taichi team. We don't need to do Tag League. We could do so. We can do other things. You don't need to watch Tag League. How much better would it be if Tag League was a single elimination tournament? How much better would it be if we just watched Sardom for the month? We can't talk too much more about this match because for a start, the match itself was only 12 minutes and if we go much longer, we'll have talked longer than the actual match. Um, We've done that before. We have, that's true. Chris, what are you giving it? 10, Jesus Christ. I've watched it like so many times but I'm still like fully invested because like literally it is just a fight. It's a fight between two people who don't want to give up. Like, the story's simple, but it's so there, like, more than it is in most G1 matches. And I miss Shibata so much. 
I do. And hopefully, also, fingers crossed, you know, we're building towards a possible return of Shibata. You I know, don't want to see him like... I mean, you say you don't want to see him and you don't want to see him pull his punches or anything like that. The bumps he's taken have been proper bumps. Yeah, but like, but the difference between taking a bump and going back into the head... Because it wasn't the bumps that hurt him. It was a fucking brain fucking hemorrhage because he headbutted someone too hard. In which case, you've got to assume if he is cleared for wrestling... Because he's if he's cleared, you can't go back to that headbutt. You can't. No, but, uh, very least, you can't have it be a constant part of your... You, know, you can do a headbutt, like um, John Davlin does a headbutt, but he does it like once every few once every few months, and when he does it, tends to end a match. I mean, Ishii uses it. Just use it like Ishii does. Yeah, where you sort of hit the show. Well, that's what he normally did. But like, because, it must have been like the excitement of it being an IWGP title match or something, and he just... Went in too much. You say that. He literally had Okada on his knees, yanked him up, and headbutted him. Yeah, that's bit. Maybe he was like, okay, I'll do this one to the head because it's not to be a GP championship match. When is this ever going to happen again? That's not excitement. That was just vindictive. It. Oh god, that noise. That it was like a cricket bat. Oh. Have you seen? We've seen videos of um, Shibata, the musician, who takes that match, like the kicks, the slaps, and the headbutts he does to make a um, to make music out of it. Like we've yes, put it, I have. It's brilliant, amazing album. Like you turned fantastic. it into a That's the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. Chris, do you know what time it is, man? Alan, you haven't rated this match yet. Yeah, have a give it 10. Oh, you did? Okay, cool. Yeah, Maybe. I was just going to say, okay. I agreed with you. I mean, if we didn't do it, if we didn't give it to any, she and Shibata would find us. And <laughs> I'm not too about Shibata, just throw something at his head and he'll die. I mean, but I'll be perfectly that. honest. I am nothing like Ishii and Shibata at all. I'm nothing like them. And I would probably... I've got the consistency of wet tissue paper. They'd shred me. Absolutely shred me. To be fair, the same thing will probably happen that happens in seemingly every group I come across. We'll just adopt me as the child of the group. I think that's a good idea. <coughs> right. Don't hurt me, I'm child. Okay, come with me. <laughs> Chris, guess what time it is, bro? <laughs> it's stardom time, mate. It's stardom yeah. time. Are you happy? Are you excited? You can't see the fucking smile on my face. You can't see... I've li- I literally have no more fun watching any more wrestling more than Stardom. Like it's just, it's like my fun promotion, it's my happy time promotion. I don't even send over racing because I don't want to think about analytically about Stardom. Anyway, we are talking about Stardom Shining Destiny 2019 from the 16th of June 2019 from Corican Hall, and we are talking about the main event, the Wonder of Stardom Championship match with Arishi Hoshiki. Is that right, Arishi Hoshiki? Arisa Hoshiki, yes. Uh, who's the champion, defeating and retaining against Tam Nakano at 21 minutes and 41 seconds with the Brazilian kick. Do you want another story? Of course. Right, so in the early days of stardom, um, Mayu and Arisa were besties. And then Arisa quit wrestling, 
went on to join a band called um, Dream Navigator or something. That's fine. And it's not really our genre. Unless, do you like J-pop? Do I like J-pop? <laughs> do I like J-pop? Now, Chris, we've known each other <laughs> a relatively long time. You know my music oh. tastes to be very much ingrained oh, in the metal and the punk. What the Here's fuck the do thing. you think? You could, I don't know, right? Okay, so like you could, you could surprise me. Like you're, you're into Rihanna, you told us. No, I never at any point said I was into Rihanna. I said I liked one Rihanna song. Just one. Just one Rihanna song. To be fair, yeah, to be, she's not the best pop star, especially she's not really relevant anymore. Ariana Grande, that's where it's at. Anyway, um... Anyway, please continue the story. Never felt you want to punch me. Anyway, so, like, um, then Arisa went away, and during that time, Tam Meccano got kicked out of Oedotai, joined Stars, just so you know, Oedotai sort of like Suzuki Gun, where they're like the sadistic heels, okay, and Stars is your main unit. Anyway, um, so, Tam joined Stars, has has sort of now an obsession with May, and then Arissa comes back, of course, Mayu's bestie, and Tam's jealous, so Tam starts taking out on Arissa. Like, Arissa really wants to be... Imagine, like, Sting and... Actually, imagine what me and Garth are like at the beginning of Podmania. That's basically what this is. <laughs> right, okay. Right. Um. So, so like, um, Arissa likes Tam, Tam doesn't like Arissa, and, like, this would just be, like, jabs for the longest time, but then, like, um, Ta- Tam would start attacking Arissa during tag matches where they were partners to the point where, where when Arissa became um, won the white belt from Momo, um, they, but she's the first challenger. And, like, this is either going to spark an all-out inward war and stars or help them to, like, not hate each other as much. So, like, how Batista and Booker T had a fight, went into a room had the fight, and never fought again. That kind of thing. Okay. All sorted? Is that the backstory? Yes. Also, now they're teaming in Tag League, and it's amazing, because Tam still doesn't like Arissa. Uh. <laughs> like, literally, we were backstage, and Tam was doing her makeup, and Arissa was like, hey, I forgot my makeup. Can I use yours? She's like, no, I'm going to I'm gonna let you not use mine, so I, you can, standing next to you, I can look cuter. Wow. Oh, it's like Carbon Elgin. <laughs> It is like Carbon Elgin. It's like Carbon Elgin, but it feels like strength. Fucking makeup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fucking smash our Patreon. <laughs> right. This match. Also, I love the pomp and circumstance of Stardom. Like, they, they had the um, photo op with the Stardom owner, in case you were wondering who that old man was. I did wonder who the um, fucking old man was. He's the owner. Um, Not anymore. And the colour-coordinated um, streamers. I did appreciate the colour-coordinated streamers. I'm a sucker for colour-coordination, to be fair. Like, we never get that with, like, New Japan. You just get normal, like, streamers. Like, you know what? I can't... It's called, like, a progress when Jack Sexsmith got the rainbow streamers. See, that's really cool. That was... Re- see, that's... See, that's they, and they have, they have, like, Mayo has their own streamer. Fucking everyone in Oedotai have their own streamer. It's just... Everyone has their own streamer, and it's lovely. Like, Jungle Kiona has her own streamer. It's great. Oh, Mayu's bae. Mayu is great. Um, believe it or not, she's not even my favourite in stardom. You know who is? B? 
No, it's not B. It's Arissa. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course it's I know it's Arissa. I know it's Arissa. She that's why she's in so many categories in the Podmania End of Year Awards. <laughs> anyway. March and viewed. Chris, the match, Is there please. More than three The match. I'm sorry. I love this match. Because Arissa, like, we, Arissa and Tam, like, Tam starts up, one up out the gate, but, like, they start, um, Tam's aggressive right from the off. And then Arissa gets more aggressive as she starts getting sick of Tam's shit. Yep, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of sounding out to start off with, mind. A lot of sounding out. Yeah, there out. is. But, like, I feel some of that was necessary. Like, for example, Tam did go after the leg of Arissa, which makes sense because all of Arissa's finishing moves are kicks. You've highlighted the issue I have with this match. So, is it the selling? Not necessarily the selling. I don't have an issue with that. I understand to a certain extent it's pro wrestling. You've got to suspend your disbelief slightly. The issue that I have is for this match went 21 minutes, just over. Uh-huh. For 12 minutes, 13 minutes, even 14 minutes of this match, Tam Nakano was relentless and cold and calculated in the way that she targeted Orissa's leg. And that is a perfect strategy. What happened then was it went completely out of the window. Tam didn't target that leg once again. Because being fair, because in the last 10 minutes, it got desperate. No, but even before that last... If it was just because of the opening stretch, Chris, I wouldn't have an issue. But there was a good three or four minutes before we hit that opening stretch where Tam was on top and she's not... She's done all this work, all this groundwork on targeting Arissa's leg by locking her in so many bizarre positions, locking her in figure four variations and all this, to then not target it again. You've done the groundwork. She's struggling with her leg. You've just said, Chris, all her finishing moves are kicks. She's got a finisher called the Brazilian kick, which she eventually won with. Keep targeting the leg. If she'd have carried on targeting the leg, this would have been a potential 10-star match because it would have followed a storyline. It's, here's the thing, though. Like, again, it got really desperate at the end, so, like, her strategy went out the window because she was just so desperately trying not to fall. Like, you saw at the end, they were leaning against each other because they couldn't support her own weight at that point. So, like, literally just trying to get anything in because they know, like, one big move would probably finish them off. But we went for so long then without her targeting it, and I just I don't understand that, Chris. Why, I mean, it might seem like a really, really, really small gripe, but it really got to me, because I was like, this is great. She's got a strategy, she's sticking to that strategy. And even when, like, even if she fails in the targeting, so even if she goes for the leg and misses, or even if she goes for the leg and Arissa's got a scouted, it wasn't that, it wasn't like Tam failed, it was just that she just forgot. The thing is, but I think that is part of the story, though. Like, again, you have a plan until you get punched in the face. Is that old adage? And also, like, this complaint can be carried over to so many matches that aren't this that we've given 10. Like, the 
Okada, um, Omega, Dominion match, the first one. Like, Omega goes after the knees quite a lot in that, and then it didn't factor in past the first 20 minutes. Yeah, but Chris, that's, that was a, an hour long. that's a 70-minute match. That's slightly different than a 21-minute match. Feasibly, you can't target the same limb for 70 minutes. This went 20. Now, again... I guess, but like... I, I will say, I, I mean... It does sound like I'm being negative. Because like the, the drama near the end was so well done. I will that, grant like, you, they're selling towards the end, and you said before how they were leaning against each other, even to the point where the finishing move, that kick, Nakano didn't go down. She just sort of stood there, and Arissa sort of pinned into her and knocked her over yeah. for the pin. That was we, great. We should probably go into some, like, middle of the match stuff we sort of missed out a lot of it, because there was some... A re- after a crossbody to the outside, they kept sort of going up top. Um, then both women ended up on like the turnbuckle. It was either going to be a superplex or um, Arissa being knocked to the mat. Um, they kind of just both fell, but like not in a bad way. So they both both ended up uh, up on the apron, and then like and a meteora, and then Tan the kind of literally matrix out of the fucking meteora and hit the German suplex on the um, apron. It was incredibly but, cool. But <laughs> it was like. Why doesn't why doesn't the fiend ever do that? Why doesn't he ever like crab walk out of some sort of move? <laughs> I mean, he's had three matches. That's probably why, and two of I those have been shit. Very, very true. But that's it. And then, like after that, Arissa was finally done with Tam shit. And by the way, Arissa's Inzaguri is great. It's like Timothy Thatcher's, where it's sort of like a, it's not flashy. It's just sort of like the. It's the kick part, and like, ah, I love it. I do really enjoy her striking game, and she was her proficiency in the striking game. It, it no, that, added a certain element of realism. Yeah, that's it. and then at the end, we're just kicking the fucking. By the way, Tam's tiger suplex, gorgeous. Jesus Christ! People are like, oh, Alicia Fox is the best Bridger in the world. Fuck off, you fucking normie. Fucking, ooh, I watched WWE main event and that means I'm fucking into obscure wrestling. Fuck off, cunt. Fucking, it means you have no idea what good wrestling is and you spend half your life fucking miserable. Hey! Uh, Mojo Rawley's on main event. <laughs> is he still doing <laughs> Fucking, I've listened to The Cure, so I'm an emo now. <laughs> the weird blue thing down his face. Fuck knows what's happening to Mojo Rawley. Winner of the <laughs> WrestleMania 33 Battle Royal, don't forget. L- listen... Um, listens to My Chemical Romance one time. <laughs> Suddenly become an emo. You don't understand, Mum. <laughs> Fucking Black Parade is the best song ever. Um, <laughs> when I dude. was a young boy, my <laughs> father. Up, every kick, like even if it missed, like you can see how hard they were going. So like it made sense that there was then space. For some, for one, for the other one to hit as devastating a move. It's not like sometimes when like it's just kick, 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 and then the last kick ends up having no impact because they just haven't been in the space. Each kick is going for with such force, but when the kick does hit, it is amazing. Like and it's a great kick, and like it can feasibly end the match. Like Tam's kicks were fucking like she's not really known for her kicks because actually before this she was a deathmatch wrestler, believe it or not. 
Oh, but she's so cute. <laughs> I know. She was like, you know, do you know an idolist in Japan? Uh, sort of. Like a girl band type thing. Oh, she yeah, yeah. She was an actual fucking idol. Yeah. And like, we, I know we say this about Kairi saying, but like, it holds more truth for um, Tam Nakano. She's basically a Hello Kitty that can kick your ass. <laughs> true. Especially true for Kairi saying now. No, well, oh, well, yeah. That transformation. By the way, I hate it. That transformation has made me hate the Joshi fan base. Because literally, they had that um, promo on NXT, and then someone went, and the Stardom fan base, um, without context, page took that and said, Well, imagine this. It, it was like porn. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, you're not helping the reputation of Joshi fans when you're doing that. Yeah, that's not helping, is it? Like, I, I keep having to go, I'm not that Joshi fan. I just enjoy the wrestling. I love the fact that you have to, it comes with that sort of unfortunate stigma. It, it is. And like, I love it so much, but I would like happily just try and battle off the stigma. But anyway, but when Arista finally properly snapped and started laying in those fucking forearms and elbows. There was a distinct moment where Arissa sort of stopped pulling up and started yeah. proper laying in. No, exactly. She's sort of like, yeah, I like you, but fucking, I, I have a title to keep. Right, I have officially had enough of your bullshit now. Yeah, it's like, get out here, you fucking kitten. Boom. Um, And then, like, just the end was like V trigger bombier Brazilian kick, beautiful. <laughs> that Brazilian kick looked am- and that finishing moment. And I've already no. said when she Brazilian kicks Tam and stuns her, and then pins her onto the floor while she's still standing was a really cool moment. That um, I like. I just like the little hold back with some of um with that kick. Yes, like, I agree. It's just so. Like, and literally, uh, she's up there with um, Ibushi with, like, kicks. <sighs> yeah. Don't, I don't, don't know. disagree. What do you mean you don't know? We just spent the last five minutes craving her kicks. But then you're comparing her to Ibushi. I mean, Ibushi's strike, no. I, she's very, 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 very good. Well, you have to realize she's basically just off of a several year, several years out of wrestling completely. But that does not make her the best striker. I'm not saying she's the best striker. I'm saying she's she could be considered a better Bushi. Like her strike, her kicks have me wincing just as much as a Bushi's will. She's up there with a Bushi. She's not better than a Bushi. I didn't say she was better than a Bushi. I said she's up there with the likes of a Bushi. Yeah, a Bushi is better, but she is up no, there. Yes. I'm- Abushi is my favorite living wrestling wrestler right now, so I do agree with you there. But like, she she reminds me of an Abushi. I thought it was Arissa. I thought Arissa was your favorite living wrestler. I'm talking about Arissa. I thought you said Kota. I, I'm very confused about who where we where you're confused now. Right. If any of the listeners can explain to me or Chris what on earth we're talking about, I would greatly appreciate okay. it. So Kota Abushi is my favorite living wrestler, and I think Arissa is up there with him in terms of strikes. Right. Thank you. That was a lot easier to understand. <laughs> what are you giving this match? <sighs> Don't be it's a very... mark. Don't be a mark. No, because I've already rated this match and I gave it an 8. But on reviewing, I do think it's a 9. <sighs> I gave it an 8. Because I, I do always... Um, I sometimes put Sardin matches like a mark, like half a mark lower than I normally would. 
just so Garth doesn't call me a Joshi fanboy. Because like I live in fear of that. I've had nightmares of Garth just sitting in my room calling me a Joshi fanboy, and I don't know how the fuck he got in my room. He's sitting in my chair just next to my bed, going Joshi fanboy, Joshi fanboy, and it's like, shouldn't you be in Newcastle looking after your children? And you're my child now. And then Rob sits in the corner playing my bass. This got weird quick. Um, yeah, that's my, that's my dreams. <laughs> I'll be honest, I gave it eight. I thought it was an excellent match, and I thought the drama, especially towards the end, really, really pulled it up, because I'm not going to lie, Chris, it, it really did pull me completely out of the match, because it almost made the first 12 minutes of the match completely irrelevant. And this could have been a, you know, a 10, 12-minute match because you spent all that time working the leg and then Arissa didn't sell it and Tam didn't continue with it. So it, it wasn't fully fleshed out. Because it wasn't fully fleshed out, it really took me out of it. But then, conversely, the last stretch, the kicks, the strikes, the selling at the end bought it back up. But I don't think, in all good faith, I can give it higher than an eight. Can you give me the nine? Because it's me. Well, let's put it this way. You gave it an 8 upon first watching, and I gave it an 8 upon first watching. Yeah, What's that I, tell you? I, I, it tells me that I didn't want Garth to call me a Joshi fanboy. We just went over this. Well, maybe you need to be less bothered about what people think about you, Chris. Uh, it's very hard when just you Just be you. I love you for <laughs> you. <laughs> it's, it's got oddly... <laughs> Is it, is it, have you just is my friend Jen just fucking overtaking your body? Fucking <laughs> Jenny wrestling back on Podmania. Um Jenny wrestling. Genuinely, though, that's the best podcast I've done, just because it's me shit post. I can I'm fully myself there because I don't need to put on my Rob persona. Um, you haven't got a Rob persona. <laughs> very true. I d- I'm very consistent. But again, apart from when I was doing with like actual guests, like from Smart. Oh shit, we haven't put up the Smart and Blends one. I'll send that over. And um, Irish Whip, because I was like, okay, I don't want to scare these people away. I don't think I don't think you would have had an issue when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, the Irish Whip podcast boys. To be fair, being oh, to, I was with um, it wasn't Josh. It's the other one. What's his name? Um, James. And to be fair, James is a fucking sweetheart. Josh, on the other hand, I keep getting into arguments with. <laughs> we love the Irish wet boys. Um, I don't know, Chris. I, I Usually, I'll be happy to budge, but I, I honestly can't on this one. I think I think it's a patriarchy issue. I think you're just secretly sexist. Wow. No, if I was sexist, I just wouldn't have bothered <laughs> watching it. <laughs> it's like women wrestling. No. Get in the kitchen. <laughs> Too bad. That's what Jim Carnett's like. He's like fucking. I'm not watching cute little Japanese schoolgirl. And it's when it, and it's with um, Shida, and she like she's she she's like I understand it with Rhea, but she does like looks like an adult. Yeah, I mean, just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, I was joking when I said about the women getting in the kitchen. I think women's but- wrestling is incredible, and. Just just quickly, before we have someone comment on the post about us being said, we're joking. We don't really think no, that. We think women's wrestling is incredible. As proved by okay. the fact that we've just spent 15 minutes going on about how good this match is. To so, be fair, um, can you think, I can't think of like a women's match in America that's been better than this this year. 
Um, what's the best women's match of American women's match I've seen this year? Um, I mean, Sasha versus Ronda at the start of the year, the Royal Rumble. That was a very good match. Gave that seven, but like that and the Becky Asuka match, we gave both of them sevens. Um, the Triple Threat Mania also. And no, I was I wasn't really a fan of that match. I thought it was a bit botchy. Yeah, I mean, I've had to talk you up to a seven, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Shane of you number one. Yeah. Yeah, that was... I mean, we haven't seen the women's war games match yet, obviously. Anderson, that E, to be fair. Um, 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 um. Okay. Anderson, sort of the, the height of women's wrestling, especially in WWE. I can't really think of many matches that are going to come close to it. Who did Tony... Oh, no, because Tony Storm and Kaylee Ray at TakeOver Cardiff wasn't... It wasn't up there. It was a good match, but... In the front quite drastically. Um, Michael Satamora and um, Jordan Grace had a good match for progress. Mm. Tessa like Gale Kim at homecoming. That was a good match. That was good, but it wasn't... wasn't on, this not, standard, no. It didn't touch this. And I, I'm still going to argue for the nine on this one. I think it's slightly because I'm more in tune. I'm more like... I'd say in tune. It's not a hard story to understand, but like I... I'm more the story sort of still going on, and I'm still sort of following it. So I think it's a case of me being a fan of well, of somewhat. It's like a fan of a product for the last few months, as as opposed to you, so, a relative newcomer apart from May. Do love May. Um, she is, I should get. An, I, I'll get next next time I make you watch Joe. She'll make it a May match, so you know who it is. Thank you, because I do love Mayu, and <laughs> do I really like Because every time she faces Kagetsu, she gets hung. <laughs> like, literally, Kagetsu just keeps hanging me, and it gets, it gets, it really does get more of it. Stop it, Kagetsu, please. It's like, <laughs> stop accepting matches against Kagetsu, Mayu, for fuck's sake. Do you not understand? Literally, you know, no, it's like, to the point, the um, Archers and Corican Hall, she's like, I'm not there. Oh, good grief. I know, and to be fair, May goes into some impossibly bad bumps, and somehow doesn't die. She's a lunatic. Like, like that B Priestley bump from. Oh, um, that B Priestley bump! Oh my god, no! I keep B got so much better. She used to botch like that all the time, but she stopped, and it's like just so unfortunate. Yeah, that was that was unpleasant. That was really, 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 really unpleasant. But. Pardon me, never mind. So we're giving it an eight. Okay, because Did he prefer did he like it better than the Kanto Marafuji match? Um I probably liked it roughly the same, if I'm being honest. I liked it I did like it better. Um I, again I think that's more to do with me being a fan of this product. It's the first Stardom match I watch where I'm like, yes, this is what I'm looking for in Stardom. I'd say in wrestling. But to be fair, one thing I do like about Stardom is the fact that they can do more of their outfits because like, dude wrestlers don't seem to experiment too much with outfits. <sighs> like Even like Okada, this grand thing, it isn't like... You're not looking at that going, yes, iconic. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Look, let's let's leave it as an eight, and we can come back to it maybe in a couple of weeks, and you can go. I just leaving it so you don't need to update the website. Yeah, pretty much, mate. I'll be honest. 
<laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We've reached the end of our Young Lion cast. If you want to check out all of our match ratings, you can do at www.podmania.uk.co.uk.co.uk. Don't just put .uk in. That will take you to a blank page. That's not a thing. Don't go there. Don't put just .uk. .uk. Or do do it, depending on what you want to find. <laughs> um, you can talk to us on Twitter at, at Podmania. And again, the same thing on Facebook, Podmania Podcasts. Subscribe to us on all podcast platforms. Just type us in and we are there. Um, we are in the midst of collating votes for our Podmania End of Year Awards. It is pinned to the top of our um, web, uh, top of our Twitter page. And you can do it on the website. You can also have a look on our Facebook for it. Um, vote for Vote what? Vote for Arissa in every category. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do it. Be truthful it. to yourself. Be truthful do to it. yourself. Do it. Do it. Do it. Um, you can also talk to me on Twitter at RealRobGoldwing. Chris, where can they find you, buddy? No, Gunter. <laughs> How long do you think it's going to take for that to get old? Uh, I'd give it another two or three podcasts. Yeah, good point. I'll, give it, I'll do it, keep it to the end of the year, then revert back. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Um, you can also keep up with us on any of the social media platforms. You can check out our schedule. On a Monday, our universe mode for WWE 2K19, another episode will drop at 7pm GMT. Um, on a Wednesday at 10pm GMT, you will get the Young Lion cast. And on a Saturday at 2pm GMT, the Podmania podcast, which this week will be myself and Garth, counting down our top 10 entrances. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Bye, Rita.